Welcome to Grace Presbyterian. I'm Pastor Ryan. This morning, we're going to look at trying to answer the question, how can we face life's troubles by knowing the love of Christ? Thanks for listening. Well, good morning to you. How, how many people the Super Bowl went the way you wanted it to go? Anyone show hands? Yep. I don't know, the Packers weren't playing, so I didn't care too much. I did notice, however, I don't know if you saw this, that after the game there was a... Um, a quarterback who was giving a post-game conference that looked rather upset. Did anyone happen to see the post-game conference? Uh, this, this quarterback has been notorious uh, to be known for being quite confident in all that he does. And then here, having been humbled a little bit, uh, he got tired of listening to the questions. So frustrated with how things went that he just he got up and left. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, that's life. Like, all of us have been there at some point, right? When life just hasn't gone the way we wanted it to go. It reminded me of when I was a young man. I I sold books door to door when I was in college. And that is an awful job. If you've ever had to go door to door, that is an awful job. And I got got a week's worth of uh, training on how to do this thing. And then I drove out to uh, Missouri, uh, right around St. Louis area, and just started knocking on doors. And in the first two days, guess how many sales I made? Zero. And I had knocked on what felt like a hundred doors. And it was, it got to a point, you know, because you, you go with such optimism. You go thinking, maybe this one will buy some books. <laughs> Nobody wants to buy any books. And um, I, it just, it, it wore me down. It wasn't going the way it should. And I remember coming to like a breaking point. Felt a little bit like Cam Newton myself. And I got, I, I found a payphone and I called my dad and I just said, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> And then I called, uh, the guy that trained us gave us his number. And so I, I called his number. I said, man, I can't do this anymore. And he listened to me crying on the phone here. And he said, all right, time out. He said, what, what is it you need out of this job? And I needed, I needed like $6,000 for the summer to pay for college. That was my goal. And this job was, you know, the only way that I thought I could get it. And he said, Ryan, listen to me. What if I made you a promise today? What if I promised I will write you a check for $6,000 and I will give it to you at the end of the summer. All you need to do is what we taught you to do. It's all you need to do. Just go to the next door and do what we taught you to do. And I couldn't believe it, but that worked for me. It, it gave me a kind of confidence to know, well, I, I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, but I know what the end of the summer is going to look like, right? I, I, don't, I don't know how this day is going to end. I don't know how the next door I knock on is going to end, but I know one thing is sure that my director gave me the sense of confidence that, you know, after everything is over, I'm going to have what I need. I'm, I'm going to be taken care of. And that gave me a sense of hope. I, I hung up the phone. I went and knocked on the next door, and I think I made a sale. And then the next day I made more sales. And pretty soon I kind of figured it out. By the end of the summer, I had earned over $12,000, double of what it was that I needed. But you see, I would have never had that kind of confidence had he not been able to tell me the end of the story of how it was going to go. I sometimes think this is how it is with with Christians. To, To become a follower of Jesus Christ is to be one who is now placed in a world that you do not belong in. You don't belong here. This is not our home any longer. And as such, you will be filled with frustration. Can I get an amen? Anybody with frustration that this world does not pay out the way it should? It doesn't go always go the way we want it to go? 
I kind of think it's like the first time I rolled, uh, rode a roller coaster. Anybody ride a roller coaster? Man, I'm holding on. I'm holding on for dear life, right? And then, and then uh, we get done, and oh, uh, I'm still alive. Yeah, let's go again. But see, without knowing how it ends, we think our world is falling apart. And we try to solve this ourselves here and now when we see the challenges that we face day to day, whatever it is that you're facing, we try to solve it ourselves. We, we try to come up with some little gimmick, some little fix for it, and all that is, that's us holding on to it, and we forget that God has a message to give to all of us, which is He has won the victory. Amen, church? He has won the victory. The end of the story is given. It's written. It's there. You don't need to hold on so tight. You don't need to fret and close your eyes. And there is an answer for how we can face the sorrows and the trials of this life. And you're only lying to yourself this morning if you think that you will not face sorrows and griefs and trials. You be very careful of any preacher that comes up and says, now that you're a Christian, everything's going to be great. That's not how it works. You have now entered into a world to which you do not belong. The question I want to see if we can answer this morning is, how has Jesus prepared us to face our present sorrow by knowing His love? I'll say that again. How has God prepared us? How has Jesus equipped us to face our sorrows today? The griefs that we face today by knowing His love. It is Valentine's Day. And you know, for a lot of people, that's fantastic. It's Valentine's happy, happy, I got you a Valentine. But you know what? There's a lot of people where this is a painful day as well. You know, maybe that somebody didn't keep their promise. And then maybe you find yourself alone. Maybe the good Lord took your sweetheart home. Sometimes this day is not just filled with all that we dream it should, but you know what? This world's not paying out like it should. Things aren't going the way that I want them to. How has Jesus equipped us? How has Jesus prepared us to face the sorrow of this world by knowing his love? That's the answer we're going to try, or that's the question we're going to try to answer. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. Well, we're really going to be parking on verse 33. That is where we're going to sit. That's where we're going to land the plane. Uh, that is the garage to which we're going to park the car in verse 33. Uh, the trouble is, verse 33 comes after chapter 14 and after chapter 15 and all of chapter 16. So the plan for this morning is I'm going to try to do a, a drive-by with you. right? You, you, you ever go driving with someone and they stop and they say, Oh, look at the sights right there. And then you drive a little further. Oh, look at this one right here. That's what we're going to do this morning. All right? Uh, I'm going to drive us through uh, chapters 14, 15, and 16. And every now and then we're going to stop and we're going to take a look at something. Eventually, with the goal of landing here in verse 33. If you have your Bibles open, let's just read verse 33. Or, or you can follow along with me. I'm reading out of the NIV here. It says... I have told you these things. This is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Is that an awesome verse? 
Boy, that's an, that is fantastic. That is an awesome verse. Except, it's built upon everything that Jesus has told them already. So, if I can just go back and kind of take you on a little drive. He starts out in chapter 14 by telling the disciples something that they just aren't prepared for. They're just not ready to hear this. In chapter 14, at the very beginning, he's saying, similarly in verse 1, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. And then he says something that they're very very afraid of. They're not prepared for. In verse 3, he says, If I go... What? If, where, where are you going to go? Jesus who has been with them, Jesus who has ministered with them, Jesus who has been their light, their hope, their path. He says, I'm leaving. And everybody's saying, well, did, did you, what? Where are you going? Uh, we'll, we'll go with you. Just show us the way. And then Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he says, i got to go to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place. And then one of them says, well, just show us the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he knows that they're not getting it. Two things are happening right here in chapter 14. He's telling the disciples that he must leave. He must go away, but he wants to tell them, it's actually a good thing that I go. Because if I go, I'm going to be able to have a relationship with you that we don't even have right now. Because I will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that's going to bring you into all truth. All this stuff that you're having a hard time understanding, the Spirit, He's going to get it to you. So that you understand it. But that means that I first have to leave. In chapter 15, he wants to continue to encourage them. Though he's leaving, he's going to say, uh, you need to stay connected with me. Even though I'm going away, the Spirit's going to come. And like a branch that finds a strong uh, root in, the, in the, uh, the trunk, you need to stay plugged into me. You need to stay connected with me. He'll say, I am the true vine and, and you are the branches. You can't do anything unless you're plugged into the, to the true vine. And so again, he's trying to communicate to them that you need to stay connected. You need to stay together with me. Even though he is going away. And now in chapter 16. In verse 5. Continuing with this idea. The trouble that these disciples are facing. The sorrow that's going to be theirs because Jesus is going away. He says in verse 5. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me where are you going. Because I have said these things you are filled with. Grief. Did your Bible say grief? No. Yeah, another good word for that is sorrow. Because I'm leaving. And, and they're still trying to wrap their heads around this. This isn't, this isn't the plan. This isn't how it was supposed to go. You know, look, the Messiah was supposed to come, and he was supposed to restore Israel. That's what was supposed to happen. These Romans, these guys, you're, and you're supposed to overthrow them. And now you're telling us you're leaving? wasn't the plan. That wasn't how it was supposed to go. And it's like their entire world starts to crumble. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like you got the phone call from the doctor? Have you ever felt like you heard from your child, this is what's happening? Have you ever felt like whatever it was, the boss brought the pink slip to the table, that your whole world starts to crumble around you? And Jesus says, you're going to be filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, verse, six, verse 7, it is for your good that I go away. Unless I go, the Counselor will not come. And though they don't completely understand this, he continues in verse 17, 
Because the disciples are questioning. Jesus says, I've got to go. In a little while, I'm going to go away. And then in a little while, you will see me again. And interest, interestingly, he uses two different uh, Greek words here for see. And the first one, he's, where he says, you will see me no more, it's a word that means to look at, as if you will look at me no more. Well, Jesus at this time, where is he going to go, first of all? This is his last time with the disciples until he goes to the, to the cross. And then you're not going to see him. You're not going to look at him. But then he uses a different Greek word. He says, but then you will, and this word is perceive. You will see me, but you will see me as you will know me. And I believe what he's saying to his disciples here is that though he's going away, he is going to enter their lives in a way to which they have not ever expected. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity is going to come and take up residence in their hearts. And as such, they will be perceiving of Jesus through the Spirit of Jesus. In verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, and so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? See those two words, see? I tell you the truth. Verse 20. Yeah, this is a tough one. You ready? Verse 20. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. That's the call for the Christian, you know. The world is going to have a good time. They got their plan and understand that the prince of the power of the air, the evil one, has been set here as an imposter on the throne, thinking that he's ruling. And he's speaking lies like you have a target on your back to try to accuse you and lie to you because he's the father of lies. And so the world, while they carry on smiling, it looks like it's not working out for us. Look what he says next. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Notice he does not say, I will take away your grief. He doesn't say that. Notice he does not say, your grief will cease, it will stop. He doesn't say that. Instead, he says something far more amazing. He says, that to which you grieve now will be turned into joy. By show of hands, anyone in here ever go through a hard time? Anyone in here struggle? All right, how about a little bit more honest? Anybody right now going through a hard time? Anybody right now struggling? You know, I, I think that you, count, you need to count yourself as one who's very blessed if you don't have to raise your hand on that. Because this world is not your home. And if the devil has yet to really accuse you and get after you on that, understand that he's just biding his time. That eventually you're going to come to a point when you say, I just have sorrow. I get up in the morning and I face grief. I face trouble. Hear the words of Jesus this morning. He says, I will take your grief and I will turn it into joy. It doesn't mean it will stop. It may mean that never in this life that you find you get what you really needed or wanted. That life pays out like it should pay out. It may never. But the promise is still true. You might not get the healing. You might not win the Powerball. You might not get all the things that you might see yourself needing and facing. But you will get something far greater. Which is that that which you express as sorrow now 
will be changed. Are you hearing me on this? It's not going to go away. It's not going to cease. It's not going to stop. But it will be changed. He gives an illustration. I think this is the best illustration. If I, if I were to try to communicate this in a way, this is the illustration that I would pick. Look what Jesus says in verse 21. A woman giving birth to a child has, here's a good place for an amen, ladies, has pain. Amen, Brother Ryan. That's right. <clears throat> because her time has come. But check this. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish. Because the joy that a child has been born into the world. All that pain? Nine months. All, all the pain of the birth. All that you went through. You know what that turns into? That turns into joy. Pure joy. That's what this life is for us, folks. This life right now is giving birth to something that will eventually come someday. I look back on that summer when I sold books, and I'll tell you this, I won't ever do that again. <laughs> but I also would not trade it. I'm very thankful that I went through it, because it kind of made me who I am. It was a very tough thing to go through, a lot of sorrow and grief to go through. Do you ever hear the saying, no pain, no no pain, no gain? Does anyone else have an experience? Maybe you have an experience like that. Something that you've gone through that now that you've gotten through it, that you can see the joy from it, you look back and you say, I won't ever want to go through that again, but I wouldn't trade it. If I could go back in time, I wouldn't trade it, because I've come out on the other side now, and I can see what it's turned into. He's going to say in verse 23 and 24, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked me for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I just want to clear this up really quick. Asking for something in Jesus' name is not sticking his name at the end of your prayer like some kind of magic formula. And in Jesus' name. That's not, going to, that's not what he's talking about here. Instead, what Jesus is trying to communicate is that when the Holy Spirit comes, remember, he's got to go, so the Holy Spirit comes, that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will begin to ask for things from the Holy Spirit. You will no longer value the treasures and the stuff that you once wanted to ask God for, but instead you will now see with spiritual eyes. I think of it this way. If I were to go to Burger King and go through the drive-thru, I would order a burger with everything, like the works. Any amens right there? I like pickles, onions, tomatoes, the whole thing, right? And my, my wife, she hates all that stuff. She only wants just the cheese and the patty. That's it. So if I were to go and I would order two the works burgers, you know, she, she's not going to eat the one. But if I go and I order for her, I order, if you will, in her name, I will be speaking for that which she desires. That's what Jesus means here. When you ask in Jesus' name, you ask in behalf of Jesus, off the reputation of Jesus, off the person of Jesus. And the only way that we can do that is if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit. And the only way we receive the Holy Spirit is if Jesus first goes. Are you seeing the message that he's saying here? You're going to face trouble. You're going to have sorrow. He's going to change that sorrow into joy such that we will be those who now understand the Spirit because the Spirit will live in us. And when we pray, we can pray in Jesus' name as though we were asking for the things that Jesus would be asking for. John Piper gives this quote. 
God does not turn away from doing good. He doesn't do good to His children sometimes and bad to them at other times. Did you catch that? God doesn't come into your life and do good for you. When you have blessings, when things are going well, it's not because He's just being good and then when things are bad, He's giving you bad. He keeps on doing good. And He never will stop doing good for 10,000 ages of ages. When things are bad, that does not mean God has stopped doing good. It means He's shifting things around to place them for more good. You hear that message this morning? Your sorrow, church, your grief will be changed into joy. And God, whatever you're facing, I mean, I, I raise my hand for going through a difficult time. I, I know that many of you know the state that my father is in. I kind of want to go to God and be like, what's going on? And yet I have to hold to His truth. I have to see with the eyes of Jesus through the Spirit that lives in me to say that though I have sorrow and grief in this world, He is still doing good. He's still doing good. And He will turn that sorrow. He will turn it into joy. Jesus says all these things. The, the last little place I want to draw your attention to is verse 27 before we really park the car in verse 33. He says, No, the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me. Think about that for a minute. The Father loves you because you have loved who? Jesus. Now, we all know that Jesus initiates the relationship with us, right? Um, uh, we love because He has first what? Loved us, right? We did not choose Him, but He has chosen us, right? But right here is interesting, and it has to do with this relationship where we come together. So uh, I'm thankful this morning that uh, my in-laws are here visiting. Uh, Don and Carolyn, they're with us here visiting for a couple of days. And before they ever um, uh, knew me as their son-in-law, they just knew me as... Ryan. Right, and so they, they kind of liked me, sort of. Kind of, yeah. Right? I feel like I'm on thin ice all of a sudden. And then, once I uh, married their daughter, now they have got some greater kind of, um, I don't know if it's greater kind of hate, though, so you know how, <clears throat> you see how now they have invested interest in my life. Before they didn't. Same is true with, with my parents. They might have met Emily and thought, hey, she's such a nice young woman. And that was it. They might, they might have liked her. But now they love her because she loves their son. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying the father loves you because you now, you love the son. You now have a relationship with the son. God has invested interest in your life and in your future because of this partnership that has come with the spirit that comes to indwell us. Now, what do you think, what do you think a loving, loving parent's going to do? Are they going to give you bad? Sometimes being a parent means that you have to give discipline, though, right? I mean, parents, right? And the Bible teaches us that God disciplines those He loves. Don't confuse your sorrow. Don't confuse your grief as though God has turned His face from you. He's moving things into place. To give you greater joy. He's moving things into place. To give you greater good. For that is what a loving parent does. And he loves you. 
And so now we reach verse 33. And I got three I got three conclusions to point out and then one application. Three things to show you from verse 33 and then we'll be done. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Three words there I want to bring out. In me you may have peace. Understand that may means it's not a promise. Uh, Greek tense here means that this is a possibility for you. That you can receive this. That he holds peace out like an offering and says it's available. But he doesn't promise it to you. And here's the reason why. Because you and I so often try to find answers for peace without going straight to him. And we do so without the eyes of the Spirit before us. We look at our situations, we look at what we face, and we think, man, this ain't good. This is not how it's supposed to go. I need to fix it. When all along, your Heavenly Father has been handing out for you peace that's available. Do you know how awesome that word is, peace? Come on, think of with me in those moments where your world's falling apart. Think with me. Where is peace in that moment? Man, I, I stay up late at night just because I'm going, ah! I can't handle this anymore. I don't have peace anywhere. But what if? What if? I knew how the story ended. What if? Think about what you're facing. Whatever that is. What if God could come to you and he could say, look, I know it looks really hard right now. Life doesn't look fair. It's not panning out or paying out the way that you would hope. But check this out. I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to press the remote. Look, and here it all works out. It all works out. And you and I, you would never have seen it's going to work this way, but it works out. How do you go back to the moment? How do you then go back to this moment? Are you still, who, who, what do I do? Or do you have what Jesus has offered? Do you have peace? You won't find it anywhere else. You will only find it in Him because He says, in me. And that is through the Spirit that indwells you and I. You may have peace. Second thing I want you to see here is the command. Right after he says, in this world you will have trouble. What's that sound like? You will have trouble. That sounds like a promise. Look what the command is. So take heart. Does your Bible say take heart? Uh, Be courageous, another translation might say. Be fearless. Be bold. Don't, Don't be timid. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. I'm just so wounded. I can't go on. I can't go on any further. No, 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 no. Take heart. Don't be like the lion in the Wizard of Oz. Needing courage. He says you can have courage. Here's the best illustration I could give you with this. Imagine, you, you and I, imagine we're the first people on earth, right? And we see the beautiful trees and the green grass and the birds. And is, is the earth good, yes or no? Yes, it's good. And then suddenly the sky starts to drop snow. And it kills the trees. And it covers the green grass. Now, if we're the first people here on earth, we think this is it. It's over, right? And then, and what do we do? We get out the shovel and the snowblower and, and we're trying to get rid of the snow. And it just piles up and continues to pile up and pretty soon the world's coming to an end. Fast forward. What happens in May, June, and July? 
See, see, what if in that moment, what if in that moment where it feels like my world's ending? Come on, guys, you know this is true. When you face sorrow, it feels like it feels like my world is ending. My plan and what I wanted is over. It feels like all the good that I saw around me is dead. It's dying. It's gone away. It's just snow. And so you and I, we try to fix it. We pick up our shovels. We pick up our snowblowers. And we try to solve it ourselves. But God's got the answer all along. Because he can fast forward and he's got a weapon that snow has got. It ain't even a fair fight. He's got the sun. Like snow is what temperature? Snow is like 20 degrees, 30 degrees, right? It's cold. The sun is like a million degrees. It's not even a fair fight. God looks at the sorrow. God looks at the grief. God looks at the way in which we feel like it's not working out. And he's got no, he doesn't even break a sweat. For he knows how the story's going to go. But pretty soon, don't worry, shh, 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 shh. the sun's going to come out. The snow ain't got anything on the sun. And check this. What happens to that snow? What does it turn into for the grass? It nourishes then the earth. It then turns into joy. That which looked like it was sorrow, that which looked like it was grief, God comes and He changes it. And He uses it to nourish and to grow. And for your good, He turns it into joy. So here's the command. I mean, I'm only preaching the Bible this morning. Verse 33, Jesus says, Take heart. The last thing I have to say to you is that there's in two places here recognized where you don't want to belong. For in the world you will have what? You're going to have trouble. That's a promise, right? And he says, I have overcome the world. The warning to the Christian is to be careful about being too much looking like the world. You might feel that you'll solve your problem, but all that is is a snow shovel. You're really not going to solve your problem. The world's going to produce for you nothing but trouble. And when it was the entire world, all that the devil could bring against just Jesus. Think think with me now. All the bad, all the sin, the entire world against who? Against Jesus alone. And guess who wins? Jesus wins. I have overcome the world. If you truly want to find joy, if you truly want to find peace... I want to submit to you, you need to be working in the world. If you and I, we just say, oh, I'm not going to get involved. I'm just going to stay in my little safe, comfortable place. Just stay in the church, guys. Don't go out into the world. You won't ever need his peace. You might think that you won't get trouble, but the promise for you is trouble. And I want to encourage you this morning. That the reason why Jesus says these things to you is because he is sending you out into the world. Why would he need to give you the command to take courage? Why would he need to give you the command to have hope if he did not know that I'm sending you out into the world? Jesus even says this. That as the Father has sent him, so he is sending you. Valentine's Day is a good day. For most people. Sometimes, however, knowing the love of God is not simply just getting what we want, but it's looking through the eyes of the Spirit to understand, even in our grief and in our sorrow, 
He is still working for our good. There's a verse, and we're, we're going to sing it in just a moment, out of the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I just want you to listen to the words, and then we're going to sing it. It says, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and I pour contempt on all my pride. See from His head, from His hands, from His feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet? For thorns compose so rich a crown. The world thought they were getting rid of Jesus. They thought that they were snuffing out the light. And Jesus knows it's actually for your good that he goes away, that this happens. For in him we find forgiveness from our sins, to which I don't think there can be a greater peace to know. And so I want to encourage you today, as you leave church and as you go through this week, I'm sorry to say this, you're going to have trouble this week, folks. You're going to have trouble. I don't want you to hold on like a roller coaster, thinking, oh, I'm not going to make it. Instead, I want to encourage you to be held by your Savior, for He has overcome the world, and He wants you to be courageous and take heart. As I conclude this morning, I found the words to a song I've heard on the radio. The song is called, Just Be Held. Listen to what the writer says. Everybody needs you strong, but life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom in surrender. Lay it down and let go. So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you are not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. Jesus says, I'm on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. If your eyes are on the storm, you'll wonder if I love you still. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know I always have and I always will. And a tear is not wasted. In time, you'll understand. I'm painting beauty with ashes. Your life is in my hands. And so when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on. Just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. Stop holding on and just be held. Lift your hands. Lift your eyes. In the storm is where you'll find me. And where you are, I'll hold your heart. I'll hold your heart. Come to me and find your rest in the arms of a God who won't let you go. I want to encourage you today, church. You're going to have trouble. But take heart. Your Savior has overcome the world. Stop holding on.
and just be happy.